The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The following podcast contains explicit language. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show but to both of you. It's great to have you on and sure. to have you reunited because, as I was telling Kevin, it's been a while, Kamal, since we've heard your voice on Denzel well, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> we need a mediator, so thank you for doing this for us. Glad to bring you both together. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some Denzels who are pissed. <laughs> oh, I know. I didn't even think about that. That's really funny. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. What are you going to do? Hey all, it's a new episode of Represent. I'm Aisha Harris, your host, and it's finally upon us. Oscar season is winding to an end. Finally. (laughs) And as you know, this year marks a record-breaking year for the number of Black people nominated for Oscars across all the categories, including the acting awards and the technical awards. And I figured, what better way to close out our month-long series of Guess Who's Coming to Oscar?, than to revisit that fateful night from 15 years ago when Black people were supposed to have finally broken through the glass ceiling and were going to get lots more roles and Hollywood was going to give them all the Oscars. 2002, when Halle Berry, Denzel Washington, and Sidney Poitier were all awarded with Academy Awards. And as you heard at the top of the show, my guests today to discuss that very historic night are W. Kamau Bell and Kevin Avery, stand-up comedians and performers and writers and They wear many, many hats, but you may know them best from, personally, one of my favorite podcasts, Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. Yes, that is the entire title of the podcast, and it's a great show. They talk about all things Denzel Washington, but also all things that have to do with Black Hollywood and and, and Black cinema. And if you're a frequent listener of the Denzel Washington podcast, you know that it's been a while since Kamal's been on the show. So I'm very happy to say that I brought them together for you here to listen to for the first time in a very long time. I figured that, you know, this year, especially we have what I think some people would consider maybe the blackest Oscars ever. It definitely is the blackest we've had in years. And uh, I think the last time it was pretty black was back in 2002 when Halle Berry and Denzel Washington and Sidney Poitier all received awards that night. And Sidney Poitier, actually, his award was a honorary award for a lifetime of achievement in being Sidney Poitier. (laughs) So I figured since you guys are both the hosts of Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time period, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And I should also uh, preface this by saying I've also been on the show a couple times. Yes, you have. Yeah, it was fun. The first time we talked about Fallen, (laughs) which was fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first time we heard how big people who are fans of the podcast are fans of Denzel because they had feelings about you. I know. They didn't like me because I did not like Fallen. But I mean, Fallen was not 
that was not one of those movies that like I'd ever even heard of. It's not your fault. Our fans can be very, uh, you know, great, awesome, <laughs> thorough. They're, yes, they passionate. are. They're definitely awesome, but they, you know, can be uh, get they can get very fired up when uh, you are not the you know the bringer of all things good about Denzel. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're... Yeah, I mean, but we gotta criticize our heroes, right? Like. I think that yes. no one is perfect, and Denzel in Fallen was fine, but that movie is kind of not great. And I'm just going to go on record and say that again. <laughs> you're really just like, wow, you're, all right, just go die on that sword again. All it's right. okay, I'll die a thousand deaths. I still love Denzel, it's all right. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's take us take ourselves back to this this night, or really like this Oscar season that led up to that that year. Uh, we had Denzel obviously playing Alonzo Harris against type in Training Day, up for Best Actor, and we had Halle Berry also playing against type as uh, in Monsters Ball as Best Actress, and. That year, I did, I, did, I did a lot of research because when all this happened, I was like only in high school and not really paying attention to this stuff. So it was a nice recap to kind of understand what was going on then and who else was nominated. Um, Hallie was against Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge, Sissy Spacek in The Bedroom, and in In The Bedroom, Judy Dench in Iris, and Renee Zellweger in Bridget Jones's Diary. I've seen actually all of those movies except for Iris. I still haven't seen... Uh-huh. I'm looking at this now, though. I was kind of surprised Renee Zellweger was nominated for Bridget Jones's Diary. <laughs> I was just thinking that too. Like, wait, what? That we what... have to remember that era. That that was a that movie was that book was huge, and that movie was was I think for a lot of people much better and showed a different side of like people were like oh Renee Zellweger can act because people were like yeah. she kept up that accent the entire time. <laughs> oh yeah, she's doing the she's not she's not British. I keep forgetting she's not British. Yeah, no, I remember hearing British people like being like she. She's, she's not horrible. It's the first American ever to not be horrible at a British accent. And also, was that one after um, uh, the Tom Cruise flick? Um, oh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, that was a few years after. Because I think everyone sort of fell in love with her for that. And so, yeah, I could I could see that, yeah, her being nominated. Like, oh, yeah, we love Renee. Right. So, yeah. I, I don't know. It still seems weird, though, because it's rare for actresses especially but any actor to be nominated for like a comedic performance, um, at least in, in like the the lead actor uh, side of things. So I was just like, oh, okay, Renee, Renee Zellweger against uh, Judy Dench and Nicole Gimmon for Bridget Jones' Diary. Um, and so we have that, and we also have Denzel against Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind, Sean Penn and I Am Sam, Will Smith and Ali, <laughs> and Tom Wilkinson also in In the Bedroom. Um, and... They they kind of made a big deal about it that year because well for for two things first uh, it was the fact that this was the first time in almost three decades that three black actors were nominated for leading roles <clears throat> and so the previous time had been in 1972 when Cicely Tyson and Paul Winfield were nominated for Sounder and Diana Ross was nominated for Lady Sings the Blues so there's all oh. this hype around the Oscars about like oh it's the first first time we've had three actors who were who were black nominated and of course we we kind of saw what we're seeing now this year where we have even more i think it's what is it five or six now across all the the nominations this year there's ruth nega and loving uh-huh um naomi harris 
Mahershala. Right. Mahershala, Denzel for Fences. Viola Davis. Viola Davis for Fences. And Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures. Yeah. And I think that's it. Yeah. So that's like six right there, which is, and if we're missing anything, we can, we can, people can forgive us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny how we're like, we're so paranoid. Wait, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't forget another flag. <laughs> I I mean, it's it's such an honor, so we don't want to. Uh, uh, yeah, why don't uh, Verilyn, Why don't you check that while we're doing this? Um, but yeah, so it was like a big deal, and everyone is like, "Well, this could this be a turning point in in what we're looking at?" And then you also had Russell Crowe. So I had forgotten about this. Russell Crowe apparently like there's a little bit of controversy with the way he he won at the what was it the BAFTAs before. The Oscars. The BAFTAs always happen before the Oscars. And yeah. to some extent, they could be considered a precursor. Verilyn's holding up her hand. It is indeed six. So we, we named all of them. Uh, so back to Russell Crowe. <laughs> Yay, we didn't <laughs> forget anyone. Uh, Russell Crowe, he apparently got really pissed off because they cut his BAFTA award speech uh, short. He They were given, everyone was given a time limit for how, what they could say. And then he decided to read a poem. And he got really That's upset. Awesome. <laughs> And apparently he, like, slammed a the show's director of the BAFTA, the BAFTA director, against the wall, like, the next day um, and called him a cunt and a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, Is that the beginning of evil Russell Crowe? Remember that what ha- that, that, that became, like, he threw a phone at somebody? Yeah. Like, he became known for being a guy who was a little bit hot-headed? Yeah, he became, like, the Sean Penn of the, the aughts, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so there was, like, a little bit of, once the BAFTAs happened, there were people saying, oh, maybe Russell Crowe, like, ruined it for himself. Like, he, he sabotaged his chances at the Oscars. I, I, I guess what I like to look at it is that that was obviously a time and Kamal, while doing my research for this, I actually found that you wrote a post last year um, for Hollywood Reporter about this night exactly. And you kind of talked about how at that time, you know, we all thought things were going to change and look where we are. This was last year. So Oscar So White was very much in that we were in the midst of Oscar So White and things hadn't really changed. And what do you think now, looking back on what you wrote last year and then where we are now? Like, did you think this time last year that we would have six acting nominees on top of, like, the cinematography and the, the directing nominees for Black folks? I mean, I guess, you know, it's been a it's been a hard year for Black people. So I, I can't say that I spent a lot of time sort of, like, crossing my fingers hoping about this. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> That's fair. Been, uh, but I, but I, and, and I also want to respect the fact that I, that, uh, that, you know, the work is always being done. There's always great films that feature actors of color, of you know, of black actors and actors of other colors. It's just will will the work be recognized? And I do feel like, you know, when you look up, you go, man, this is a lot, and yet you also have to go, and it's also still not enough. Let's be clear about this. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the same year that um that Twelve Years a Slave like sweep the academy, sweep the or not sweep the Academy Awards. Well, it's got some big ones. Yeah. Like uh the Oscar the Oscar Grant story, uh Fruitvale Station. Didn't get it wasn't nominated for much of anything, and it was like those are two equally powerful films, and I certainly relate to the other one because I live in the Bay Area, and so I feel like the work's already being done, always being done. But you know, uh, I, yeah, I just I think I hesitate to get too excited. It more seems like finally, finally, you're actually acknowledging that there are good films being made, right? And at the same time, you have to admit that this is this is a huge leap to go from nothing the last two years to all of a sudden this this flush of awards and obviously there's always been 
really great movies by black people getting made. But maybe we also have more of them getting made. I mean, it seems like it. It seems like 2016 was like a really, really good year in terms of especially even if just independent films that may not have been made by black filmmakers, but that starred um, black people in it. I'm thinking especially of like Morris from America, which starred Craig Robinson, which I thought was really good and interesting. I don't know if either of you guys saw it. I haven't um, seen. I know the. Yeah, I know the film, but I haven't seen it. No, it looked great. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and we actually had him on the show uh, last year to talk about it. But it does seem though that like we have way more to choose from now, even than we did back when Training Day and Monsters Ball came out. Maybe that's just me. No, I mean, I certainly don't know the numbers, but I think wouldn't that? I mean, we probably have more movies now in general, right? Like just because there's True. the path to the basket is much is much clearer now. You don't have to, you know, as much as we call Quentin Tarantino, like you know, they're sort of that in the '90s, the birth of independent filmmaking. But movies have gotten even more independent than that in a lot of ways, I would imagine. So there's just more choices for all of these things. You know, it's like it's like my mom said when she was a kid, she or no, she when she was a, a grown up, she supported all the black things that were in media because there was like three Good <laughs> Times and Sanford and Son and occasionally that other show that would get canceled quickly. <laughs> and then she she knew that we had made progress when it became hard to support all of them. And I feel like that right now it's hard to support all the black things that are out there. I'm way behind, as we say on the Denzel podcast with my black homework. But it you know, I also feel like it's that thing you don't want to take your foot off the gas either. Uh and I also want to say that I think that the thing that I do believe is that the Oscars felt more pressure to look for these movies due to yep. the hashtag Oscar So White started by April Rain. Like, I for think sure. that and that everybody picked up. I think they felt like they started like there was a lot made last year how they added more diversity to their to the voting members of the Academy. Chris, Chris Rock was hosting, even though they picked him early. They were like, oh, thank God we have him here. <laughs> uh, you know. But this year, what happens? Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like so, you know. Let's and nothing wrong with Jimmy Kimmel, but let's keep it real white. Yeah. But I mean, I do also think that uh, people forget, and I, you know, I I think people sort of get excited about look what we did, and then they will forget. And I think you know, two thousand two, <clears throat> I think a lot of people were, um, you know, feeling themselves, um, particularly in that room when Hallie and Denzel won and Sidney got his Oscar. I think they were kind of, I think Hollywood as a whole was feeling itself. And, and you know, when people do that, then they kind of move on and they forget about it. And they kind of have that, that sort of, you know, like that attitude when Barack won for the first time. So racism's over, right? So we did it. We accomplished <laughs> solved this didn't we and i think uh, i mean we had a lot of lessons to learn from then till now and i you could see it in there i mean not to jump ahead but boy that there's not a dry eye in in the house when hallie's giving her speech and when you look back on that speech you're kind of like that seems weird right but at the moment all those all those people are just like oh my god we're a part of this and so yeah, yeah. You you could tell, I mean, you know, the way Julia Roberts sort of... Oh, the Oscar goes to I Love My Life, Denzel Washington. You know, can, we, can we talk about that for a second? Because, like, oh, Ju- yeah. Julia actually, she campaigned, like, really hard for Denzel. Like, even before that night, the, the I, I found a couple of profiles. And again, mm-hmm. because this was going to be a historic night, there were tons. And it's Oscar season. There's always tons of Oscar-related content out there. 
there are a bunch of like profiles and interviews with Denzel and people talking about like, oh, what's this what's this all going to mean if they win? And one of them, you know, includes Julia uh, saying this is from oh yeah this is from a, a, a piece written in Newsweek uh, titled Will It Be Denzel's Day um, by Allison Samuels and Julia Roberts says he should be on his third Oscar by now and that might not be enough I mean did you see Malcolm fucking X and Hurricane in Philadelphia I could go on <laughs> and then she says I cannot absorb living in a world where I have an Oscar for best actress and Denzel doesn't have one for best actor <laughs> and it's so Ah, I I, I can't lo- argue with any of that. I know. I love that quote, and I love like I kind of even though I'm I I'm not the hugest Julia Roberts fan in terms of like her movies. I was like, huh, Julia, I don't mind you saying any of that. It fe- but here's the thing: it fe- it feels like a bit much, but yeah, she's not wrong. That's right. the thing; exactly. she's not wrong. But it at the same time, it feels like yeah, like I would love my life too if I got to give Denzel an Oscar. But there's something about it that was the, the other problem is I don't know their relationship. Right. I, none of us really knows the extent of their relationship. We know they work together in Pelican Brief and and we know that everyone in that room regards him as, you know, one of the top actors in the business. So I, I get the respect, get the admiration. But it's it's just it was a little weird that she was like. Like she's hugging him as they walk off, like we did it. And so, <laughs> no, she's not even her. hugging him. She's actually like on his shoulders, <laughs> almost. He's him. like carrying her. <laughs> it's so... Like he did in Pelican Brief. I just took that. I had to take it. I don't even believe that. It just you left it open. <laughs> um. Yeah, that moment. But I actually just rewatching that. I did see. I saw joy in his face. That seems like they have a a good relationship. I do wonder how much of it is like more so she loves him and he's just like, yeah, Julia's cool. <laughs> like, I, do, I think there's a lot of that with him in Hollywood though. I, I, I'm not surprised, you know, yeah. like, I mean, we always talk about the virtuosity. Uh, I think, who was his co-star in, in virtuosity? Kelly, Kelly, Lynch. Remember? Kelly Lynch. Yeah. Kelly Lynch. Uh, and how the, the, the famous story of her wanting more out of their relationship and him kind of putting the brakes on. I feel like, I feel like there are probably a lot of actresses he's worked with in Hollywood who are like, he's, oh man, yeah, no, we're like this. I mean, I think it's true of actors and actresses. I think, you know, sure. the, yeah. the, the Denzel's the gift that keeps on gifting. And uh, like, you know, during the last, during the, what is it, the Golden Globes where Casey Affleck sort of was like, Sort of tried to sort of shout out Denzel, <laughs> yeah. and Denzel clearly was like, "Wait, did somebody say my name?" <laughs> he gave the thumbs up, like, "Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, man, sure." Like, there was clearly like no like, you know, Casey Affleck, like, "Oh yeah, brother, we're in this together." You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very true. I yes, I think Julie Roberts. There is something both endearing and also somewhat awkward about that that relationship. Well, there's a thing, you know, it's that thing I think as a black person, and maybe this is a little bit, is the thing about like, so it takes a, like sort of like, oh, the white lady gets to give him the Oscar and she's the one who's excited. She gets to declare him to be the best of all time. <laughs> Meanwhile, black people say that's insane elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. the, it's, yeah. it's the, it's yeah. the, and she's, and at that point she was America's f- favorite white lady. So there's just this <laughs> sense of like. What's really? It felt a little bit Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass. Like a little bit. Like, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she gave him the Oscar because she had won the Oscar the, pre- the previous year, and that's how it always works. Is that like yeah. the the best yeah. actor hands off? Um, yeah, I agree but, with that, and also I love a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> that's fair. Um, now, Hallie's speech. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. This moment so much bigger than me. I rewatched it again, and I did not realize how long it is. It is a friggin' long speech. It's about as long as her sex scene in Monsters Ball, which was <laughs> also very way longer than I remembered it being. <laughs> I, like, I love the idea of you having that sex scene on like your TV and YouTube <laughs> and you, Halle Berry speech on YouTube, and you're like comparing the links. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, for the record, like stopping frames. <laughs> I so I in order to prepare for this this conversation, I rewatched it for the first time since it came out. So like I haven't seen it in a good fifteen years, I guess. You talking about monsters? Monsters, monsters Ball, Ball, yeah. And Better you than me, yeah. So I seeing it, the I I watched it. The sex scene came up. I was like, oh, here we go. And then it last. And then I was like, wait, how long was that? That like felt really long. So I went back and I timed it and it's about four minutes and her speech is about like five minutes so it's like pretty I mean, two of that you have to account is for crying and not saying anything i'd forgotten about that there there was so much crying uh, we're talking about uh, the oscar speech right yeah yeah the oscar speech there there was no cry well i guess she starts crying before she has sex with billy bob thornton but then <laughs> They're having sex in it. She stops crying. <laughs> I'm going to get real quiet. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, so the speech is just kind of all over the place. And I feel like it, it goes back and forth between being um, endearing and then also grating and then just confusing because she name drops so many different people. This moment is for Dorothy Dandridge. <laughs> Lena Horne, Diane Carroll. It's for the women that stand beside me. Jada Pinkett, Angela Bassett, Vivica Fox. And it's for every nameless, faceless woman of color that now has a chance because this door tonight has been opened. Near the end, people start laughing because she, like, thanked her lawyer. Um, she, she, she thanked... Oh, and I forgot she was also married to Eric Benet at the time. Uh, she, so she she points out to him. She thanks her mom. She thanks like lots of other agents, folks, people. Um, and she did give a, sp- a shout out to Spike Lee, which I thought was was great yeah. for giving her her role in uh, Jungle Fever. Um, yeah. But I don't know what what do you think of the opening of that speech where she talks about like all the people who came before her because i think that's the part everyone remembers the most because it was like this is for all like the dorothy dandridge and the lots of other black women who like her were also often cast in like tragic mulatto roles um ironically enough and she had done that uh dorothy dandridge thing for hbo too yeah she, she was, played, i think she had already played her at that point yeah she had won yeah she had won the emmy for that she then. won the emmy for that but first of all really my favorite moment in this in the speech, this is going to sound really weird, was when Russell Crowe gives her the Oscar and you can see he's giving her some, she's freaking out. (laughs) And really my favorite part of it is her reaction when she's sitting in the chair. I thought that was wonderful. It was very endearing. That was sweet. 
Uh, and then she gets up there. He gives, he hands her the award, and you can tell he's giving her sort of a little pep talk, a little congratulatory, mm-hmm. like, pull it together, girl. You're going to be okay. You've done, you were, you know, whatever he's saying. I don't know. I would love to know. But, <laughs> but it just they cut, felt. He said, they cut me off for my poem. Don't do a poem. Don't do a poem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then she starts, and we've all seen people cry at these award shows and get emotional, but she was crying like she just got in trouble. And I was like, hey, you're okay? You did. And, and so it was just, it was too much. And I was just like, this is hard to, this is a little bit hard to watch. And um, the when she name checks all these actresses, sort of like, the you know, with, with uh, uh, Julie Roberts here, she's not wrong, but it definitely felt like she was, there was something... Um, maybe self self serving performative, performative. Yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. It, she was definitely. I I mean, I hate to use the word because I think it's often thrown around a lot for women in a misogynistic way, but she was li- quite literally in a fit of hysterics. And whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> she was. Whoa, whoa. Just to be clear, I, W. Kamau Bell did not say that. That was either Kevin or Isha. I'm not sure who. I definitely not Kevin Avery. Just want to make sure everyone knows that. I will die on that sword as well. And I, to cap that off with saying that I struggle with it because if I were her and I had all of the weight of the fucking 75, however many years of the Oscars that existed on my, my shoulders like that, I would probably act like that too, to some extent. Like, I, I, and I don't blame her entirely because I, I think that a lot of that comes from the fact. I like actually I blame the Oscars because if the Oscars hadn't been so stingy with the fucking awards in the first place and given black people the honors when they should have gotten them, she wouldn't have to feel that way. <laughs> there um, you go. So, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it it's one of those I think, like you said, like we both said, is that it maybe it hasn't quite aged well as a speech in hindsight. Like in the moment, That's, it was great. Yeah. But now it's kind of like. Okay, Howie. Um, and what have you done lately? And that Ooh. is also not com- entirely her fault either. Because let's be let's be clear, there is an Oscars curse, especially for women and especially for women of color. Best supporting actress was always the 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 thing that they assigned the the curse to. I mean, not to disregard what you're saying, but but I because I agree with you. She is an int- a very interesting trajectory after this. Catwoman. Everybody has a fallen. <laughs> they do. Yeah, because here's the un- interesting thing. You got to remember at the time, her her kind of big thing was she was Storm in the X Men, and that was I think that was I don't want to say breakthrough, but that was like her big franchise thing, her big tentpole thing, and so it was breakthrough because believe me, there was a meeting at that that studio where they're like, does Storm have to be a black lady? I mean, it seems like we could get somebody else. Oh yeah, oh, you know, I'm yeah. sure that meeting happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I no, I'm just saying it wasn't her. That wasn't her breakout. Like we all knew who Halle Berry was before Storm, but it was a big deal that she got Storm, and so I think that was this thing she was carrying with her. So uh, that that's just where she was in her career. Whereas if you look at, say, Denzel's, there are, you know, I mean, I think he was just about to go through becoming biography man, as he as he calls it. (laughs) And I think and I do think there's a very there's a huge difference in Hollywood between uh, what happens to a leading man after after winning and what happens to a, a leading lady after winning. Yeah, I just want to co-sign on the thing that I in in just in a different way about the thing about 
Halle Berry has to go up there and accept have an acceptance speech for every black actress who never got an Oscar and should have. Like she, you know, like she, she had to do it for like. So, I mean, whereas like I feel like it's like it's sort of analogous to that thing that happens like when. Like when when somebody wins a lot of Grammys by the fifth award they get on stage, like Adele, they're like, "Oh, I don't know who to thank now." Basically, every <laughs> white actor who wins an Oscar is in that position of like they can thank they get to thank like each individual in the history of their lives because they're gonna they're gonna be back. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. you, know, you don't have to feel like you have to thank no no white actor has to go on stage and go, "Oh my God, if it wasn't for." Jackie Gleason and Charlie <laughs> Chaplin and for and Buster Keaton and like, you know like they don't have to like you know they don't have to go through the history of the greats of their of their industry because those yeah. people have been thanked plenty yeah and I think that I certainly agree with you at the time as somebody who was you know I was a stand up and trying to get in I did watch it and go and also as somebody who wasn't necessarily a huge fan of Halle Berry's work I was like this is a lot lady but <laughs> but but now looking back in hindsight I'm like yeah I get it I'm sure every black person in her life was like if if you win, you better thank this black lady. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then somebody else, you better thank this black Oh, yeah, you're right. And suddenly you're like sitting there like, oh, my God, how am I going to get through all these black ladies? <laughs> and then the other thing I understand now that I thought was ridiculous back then is when she thanked her lawyer. I was like, why is she thanking her lawyer? And recently I've been like, oh, I know why you thank your lawyer. <laughs> like, that's, yep. like the, that's probably yep. the one person you can trust in your whole career. Like That's probably the one person who actually has your back if you have a lawyer, you know. So it's that thing where she had to do the thing that every actor does where they have to thank their team and she's got to thank every black actress who's ever worked in Hollywood. Every black yep. woman who worked in Roots. Every <laughs> black woman, you know, like it's, yes. and it puts her in this position of not being able to just be a person. She knows that it's historically yep. significant at the moment and she's trying to embrace it while also not piss off her third agent at the agency. You know what I mean? It's sort of like it's and it, it, it puts it puts her in a very weird position, and especially as someone who, you know, let's be honest, I'm sure when she came up, nobody was like, one day you're going to win an Oscar. Yeah. No, yeah. she was as much as she maybe had that dream. It probably was not a dream that was like, you know, that she thought, you know, that was, you know, thought had a real had a realistic chance in the way that like. I bet Angela Bassett has been here that for a long time. How many Oscars does she have? Well, speaking of Angela Bassett, do you guys remember yeah. that she was actually she turned down the role in Monsters Ball? Yep, yeah, um, I remember that. I used to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she. I also found an old uh, Newsweek profile of Angela Bassett. This is right around the time it was actually. It, it's from right after Halle Berry won the Oscar, so we already knew that she won, um, and Angela was like. Yeah, I wasn't going to play a prostitute on film. Like, I couldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she said that. Um, I remember, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, she says, film is forever, and it's about putting something out there you can be proud of 10 years later. I mean, Meryl Streep won Oscars without all that. True. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love the fact that she says that even after Halle won, like there was not some sort of sense of like, man, I should have played, played a prostitute on film. Well, the, yeah. the thing is that she also she makes a point to point out that she does not she didn't judge Halle for taking the role and that she doesn't regret not taking the role. Um, she you know, she just said it wasn't for me. Um, and she said she actually said I told Hallie she'd win, and I told her to go get what's hers. So there was obviously some some camaraderie within you know black. I mean, you have to if you're a black woman in Hollywood. You, yeah. you can't be like clawing each other out as I'm sure many people want them to do. I want to go back to Sydney's speech. Actually, I arrived in Hollywood at the age of 22. 
in a time different than today's, a time in which the odds against my standing here tonight, 53 years later, would not have fallen in my favor. Back then, no route had been established for where I was hoping to go. Yet here I am this evening at the end of a journey that in 1949 would have been considered almost impossible. So the way the way that that night happened actually was that so Denzel Washington goes out, talks a little bit about Sydney and like, you know, standing on his shoulder and wanting to be in blah, 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 blah. Like they have that relationship um, very much so. And Denzel has often been considered, you know, the the Sydney putty of our times. And then there's like a montage in which um, they show, you know, all of Sydney's work. And he talks about how. The people who came before him, like Hattie McDaniel and like Stephen Fetchett and all those types of people were great performers, but they had to like live in these stereotypes. And the fact that they existed is the reason why he was able to become who he was. And so then when he gives a speech afterwards, he talks about the quote unquote untold filmmakers who wrote and directed the films that he starred in in his career. And he goes for a really long time sort of thanking them. And he says, you know, I, bened- I benefited from their effort. The industry benefited from their effort. America benefited from their effort. And I thought it was really interesting because I was looking at it through today's eyes and the way in which he talks about the fact that those white filmmakers were willing to write these stories and, and cast him. And that was brave in a way. And like thinking about it now and the way in which we think about, you know, who holds the keys to Hollywood still and how these stories get made, it just felt sort of even still very, I don't know, relevant today. Obviously, like I like to champion black people being able to tell their own stories, but we have to acknowledge that white people still very much hold the keys and hold the power and the money. Um, so I th- I just thought it was really interesting to to look at that in the context of today where we still have to, in some ways, rely upon white benefactors, I guess, is a word to call them, to, in order to get these stories told and help white people get a little less scared of black people on screen. Can we say, can we change white benefactors to woke white folks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to make it sound a little more like that they have a vested interest in it and not just like, yes, Negro. <laughs> Because I, mean, I think that's what yeah. that's what I think Sydney's talking about. White people who are like, I realize there's a problem here too. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't fix it, but I can try to. I can try to help. I can try to, in my way to help make this better. No, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that, I was I was throwing a little cynical spin on it there, but uh, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm filled with hope. The I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to keep hope alive. <laughs> I know. I know it's not. It's the eternal flame is getting dim. I'm just trying to like uh, in, invite white people into the struggle. So I can then I can let them know how I feel. <laughs> At first, I you know you see these lifetime achievement speeches, and it, it's like there's a part of you that's like I don't I don't care I don't I don't listen to this, and and I'm just I'm speaking generally, and so yeah, don't I, I don't care I, about your lifetime of achievements. Oh, Sydney, take the Oscar and sit down. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't don't. You uh, ain't made a good movie in fifty. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it it was but. You know, but we've all done that. Watch the thing, and you're like, okay, well, then make your thing, and you know. And so, but watching him, it was interesting. Um, I wondered what the pe- they kept cutting to. Of course, people in the audience, 
And I wondered what they were thinking as they showed him. Some people just respectfully watching, you know, they showed Will and Jada a couple of times and you could tell they were into it like, yes, we're glad we're here. For you know, and then they show there were a lot of white people they were shown and you were like, do you guys get it? Or are you, you know, just thinking about the next break? But then they showed Lou Gossett Jr. Mm. Now it was so great. Yeah. Because you're showing a dude who kind of was in Sydney's, uh, you know, I think he's a little bit younger than Sydney. Maybe not, though, actually, uh, but kind of in Sydney's, uh, his class and just all, all smiles. Not, in fact, not even a big smile, but just kind of a smile of pride. And it was very exciting just to see that. To yeah. me, the most exciting part of that night and him winning that award and then Denzel and Hallie was the interplay between. Denzel and Sydney on that stage and the and the pride of those other younger uh, and also not younger, you know, black actors looking up at him, you know, winning that like that was the best part of it for me. Yeah. And and Sydney also was when Denzel won, they cut to him and Sydney, they they had him like perched in the balcony with his family in this very regal like. (laughs) Yeah. Regal way, like he was like a visiting, uh, you know, ambassador or something. And <laughs> and they kept cutting to him during Denzel's speech, which he opened. Denzel being just Denzel, he was like. <laughs> Two birds with one night, huh? <laughs> oh, God is good. God is great. God is great. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you all. 40 years I've been chasing Sydney. They finally give it to me. What they do? They give it to him the same night. <laughs> I'll always be chasing you, Sydney. I'll always be following in your footsteps. There's nothing I would rather do, sir. Nothing I would rather and- do. You can just see Sydney like beaming. And he actually like at first when they announce him, they cut to him and Sydney like stands up and then kind of like he doesn't fall over. But you know how like when you were just so excited, you kind of like bend over and you're like just like, ah, like it was just such a it was so wonderful to watch that and then see him with that infamous quote that Denzel also said, which was like, I've been chasing you all this time. And look, Mm -hmm. look, they give it to you the same night that I finally get it. (laughs) And it's like perfect Um, they hold up the oscar i mean that to me was like two superheroes holding up their power rings together just the both of them holding those oscars that i was like go ahead anybody else did that i'd be like sit down (laughs) knock it off but those two doing that i was like yeah i was hoping hallie was somewhere holding herself and just like a beam of light would come and you know center of the the auditorium the power and that beam of light would hit a young barack obama (laughs) run for president uh, <laughs> the other thing I would say about that is that because the Denzel speech is so different from the Halley speech and the Sydney speech and that and we've talked yep. about this in the podcast. Denzel has t- believes in the work. He believes in his yep. family. He believes in God. He does not believe in overly flowery speeches. You are more likely to see him give a big speech in a baseball cap in the basement of, a, of like a kids boys and girls club meeting than at an award show. And yeah. like the first that that speech kicks off, two birds in one night. He look, that's like a personal moment between him and Sydney. That's not for the rest of us. I'm sure they had a great conversation later. I'm sure that's where the big flowery language came out. Mm-hmm. But his speech is pretty for a guy who's known as a actor for giving like 
scene stopping speeches regularly. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you know that it's his 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 award speech game as he showed at the Golden Globes a year a couple years ago when he they gave him a lifetime achievement award at the Golden Globes and he was just like yeah. had forgot his notes, didn't have his glasses on, <laughs> forgot to thank his family. Like it was just a whole like <laughs> it's about the work for him. It's not about. I'm sure he appreciates the Oscar, but it's not. It's about the work that goes into that. It's not about what. It's not about the award. Yeah, for sure. So that that all happened, and now we're in 2017, and we have, again, like we mentioned earlier, so many black people nominated this year. And I'd love to get your predictions for, like, the way the night will turn out, especially we have this, there's sort sort of this showdown, we think, between Moonlight and La La Land. Now, I feel like you, you can't discount something like Hidden Figures or even Manchester by the Sea kind of sneaking in there somehow. But like right now, it seems like everyone's sort of pitting Moonlight against La La Land. And, you know, back when Hallie was nominated, I think I think most people just knew that Denzel was going to win before he won. Um, but a lot of people were skeptical about Hallie winning because obviously no black woman had won before and no black woman has won since <laughs> best actors uh <laughs> and i highly doubt ruth nega is gonna gonna take it i'm afraid but do you think that the skepticism i feel like the skepticism for towards moonlight not winning is more to do with the fact that la la land is la la land and like you know this movie about movies or like it's getting praised for being an original movie musical which we rarely have um as opposed to it being like well, Moonlight's not going to win because it's about a black gay kid, and that would never happen. No, I mean if we look at the if, if we if we look at the Grammys, I feel like La La Land is Adele and Moonlight is Beyonce. <laughs> like it's just very clear. Like 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 and and I love Adele, and believe me, my my uh, my five year old is 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 an Adele stan. So I'm not I'm not mad at Adele, but it's just like there's different. The art of Beyonce, I think it does great. But Beyonce right now is going through a time where she's making some really important political art that will stand the test of time in a major way. Uh, Adele's songs will be played for the rest of time, but it's not, we're not talking about political art in the same way. And I feel like Moonlight is a strong piece of political art that will stand the test of time. And La La Land will probably end up like Titanicing itself, where eventually you're like, yeah, it's got to get you. <laughs> Titanic is like nobody goes that was the great it's like no we all saw these guys guys so yeah I just feel like so I in some sense I totally agree I just don't think that I don't think the academy they added all a bunch of like actors uh members of color after last year with Cheryl Boone Isaac uh shout out Cheryl Boone Isaac but they ain't uh, Compton in the mid '90s, like it ain't like it's like there's yeah. not enough. And used to, we also have to acknowledge that a lot of some black people, um, it's not a big wide movie Moonlight, you know, in the way that you know. So it's like there's yeah. probably people in the Academy who are black who haven't seen it, or you know, you know, who knows? So it's not like mm-hmm. it's it's not Malcolm X, and it's and it's and it's sort of like support with black people. Interesting. Maybe it's just the black people I know, but every black person I know has at least seen Moonlight if they didn't love it. Uh, well, I'm not maybe. saying, I, I, you know, I think I, I travel around this country a lot. <laughs> That's <laughs> you true. Know, like, you do indeed. And so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to distract from Moonlight. Uh, Barry Jenkins is a Bay Area dude, so, but I think it's great. But I just think it's not like there's a, there's a different feeling of like, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember X caps for Malcolm. Like people right. wore X hats. You know what I mean? Like the, where it's like the community yep. like, I'm all in on this, you know. And in mm-hmm. Moonlight, it's it's a great film. In the same, but it's not like that same level of like where, you know, in the same way that – 
black people were fired up for Barack Obama, and that was part of the reason that got him in office. Black people voted for Hillary. I think, yeah, I think maybe it's closer to hidden figures uh, is more like Malcolm X because, yes, uh, yeah, you know, yes. that sort of thing. Kevin, what about you for predictions? Uh, I think people love to love La La Land for some reason. I, more, the more I hear people talk about La La Land, the more I hear them go, yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, it wasn't like best pick. I don't know about that. But I, you know, they love to give that movie awards. I think most people will tell you Moonlight was a better film um, all around. But I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure why. I think it's just such a love letter to Hollywood. It feels like it's also Ryan Gosling's turn in some way to be loved. <laughs> like, it just like that. Like, yeah. It feels like people are like, we've loved him for so long. We just want to, it's like, it feels like it's like the yeah. popular kid who people will just want to make more popular. And I like Ryan Gosling, but it's just that yeah. it feels like there's about, and, and, and Emma too. All yeah. those people, yeah, you kind of just want to attach yourself to, and and it, they're enjoying it, and that's gonna, you know, it's gonna do its thing. But uh, yeah, do you do you guys think Denzel will win for best actor in Fences? Um, I it I I don't know. I'm a I I would have said I I think it's going to be Casey Affleck because they just keep giving it to him. But um, I think it was Casey Affleck's award until people started to Google Casey Affleck to be quite honest. And I think that like the story that's underground about Casey Affleck that is coming to the fore is giving people permission to vote for Denzel Washington. <laughs> like, cause nobody thinks Denzel has enough Oscars. I just think that Casey had become like the actory choice. Like the, even though everybody yeah. I know who's seen that movie is like, I don't enjoy it, but he's great in it. Uh, yeah. you know, so I think that, I think that now the, the narrative has shifted in a way and that's due to uh, another film that isn't being mentioned this year that a, that a year ago at this time, we're like, that's the one that's going to sweep every category, yeah. uh, oh, the yes. film that shall not be named. But I think that, that, uh, <laughs> that the narrative around that film that brought that film down is also not in the same level, but is also, I think, going to be responsible for people going like, you know, they just give over Denzel Washington who deserves the Oscar anyway. Yeah. I think it, they might split the difference. And it'll go to Ryan Gosling. That is definitely possible. I mean, if we're going to compare this to The Artist, which came out uh, a few years back and is, was also a love letter to Hollywood and won Best Picture, that lead actor, I forget his name, but uh, he won. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he won uh, best, best Actor to many people's surprises. And I feel like Ryan Gosling might, might pull that again. We'll see. I really, I just really don't want La La Land to win. <laughs> anything but uh yeah <laughs> did you do you like the movie did you see it i did see it and i wanted to love it because i'm a big uh, movie musical fan and i love both of them and i enjoyed yeah. damien chiselle's last movie whiplash um mm-hmm. but i just thought if i go to a musical and the acting is or if i go to a musical and the singing and the dancing are subpar like and i don't care if you're trying to be natural like that's that's not what i go to yeah. a musical for and I felt like it was subpar, and the music wasn't that good. So, I liked the music a lot, but I think a lot of it was very similar. And um, and I thought the singing was like, yeah, just you go, you'll be fine. Just go in there and do the thing. I yeah. I don't think they got like you know these guys are going to blow the doors off of these songs, you know. But I don't think that was the film's intention either. Yeah. Do you think Denzel's intention was to blow the doors off of fences? I do. <laughs> you mean um, blow the fences off of fences? Oh, yeah. I'm blow trying. the door out of the fence. Yeah, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're workshopping it. Next podcast, we'll have it. Y'all didn't mention Viola winning Best Supporting. Well, Viola's, uh, Viola's got it on lock, I think. She's, 
She should be best actress because thank who, you. Who are we kidding? Like yeah, she should be best actress. She carry like Preach. Come on, but if the if this it's is her movie, it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert: Denzel disappears for the last like thirty minutes of the movie, exactly. <laughs> and then it's her. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a movie about a, it's a movie about a black woman dealing with a difficult black man, who then eventually, <laughs> yeah. she, and she's got to deal with him even after he dies. Spoiler alert: like it's like it's her, <laughs> and and it's her movie. It's her. Yeah, I know they submitted her as best supporting because that's how it works. But I just feel like. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess if it's the only way she can finally get that friggin' Oscar, but isn't then... it like just also reminiscent of like the pay gap too? Like a black woman making seventy <laughs> percent yeah. of the Oscar that a that a man makes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just just shout out to Naomi Harris in Moonlight. I mean, she's so good in everything she does, and I feel like just in general, uh, people are kind of if we're talking about you know black actors who are really populating these categories this this year. Uh, yeah, you can't forget her. And I just want to say, I did see Loving, and Ruth Negget is like a future, like flamethrower of a movie star. I just wish that movie gave her more to do. Like it's just agree, yeah. It's it's her and the main actor who play uh, Mildred. And I've talked about their story on stage for years. I just wish that movie had given those two characters more to do in their story. But I think she is amazing. Agree completely. Well, I think we have to wrap up, but. Thank you both for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you both on. And like I've said before, I'm a huge fan of Denzel Washington as the greatest actor of all time, period. I also love seeing it all the way from <laughs> <laughs> the entire the entire, entire title of the show. Um, and yeah, you should guys come back soon. And it was great talking. We would love to. Thank you for mediating. And that's it. We have completed our Guess Who's Coming to Oscars series. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed. And thank you to Kamal and Kevin for coming on the show. As always, it's a pleasure to have you guys on. And I hope to have you on again soon. Also, as we mentioned in our last episode, our Facebook page is definitely where you all should be coming to talk to us and share your thoughts. And especially since the Oscars are coming up, let us know what your picks are. Um, I think we all know that one of my picks is going to be Moonlight. I have a lot of money on Moonlight. (laughs) But I also would love to see Viola Davis win. She better win after being put in the Best Supporting Actress category. She doesn't win after that. There'll be some hell to pay. Um, So yeah, share your thoughts at Slate Represent on Facebook and like us if you haven't already. You can always subscribe to us on iTunes, Megaphone, Stitcher, or any other place you find your podcasts. And please make sure to rate us on iTunes because the more ratings we get, the more likely we are to show up in other people's feeds. And that helps us really get the word out about the show. So please do that if you haven't already. Represent is produced by the lovely, awesome Marilyn Williams. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Steve Lichtai. Andy Bowers is Chief Content Officer of Panoply. And like I mentioned earlier, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Slate Represent. The music you're hearing is performed by the sweet San Francisco funk soul band Midtown Social. Until next time. Mm-hmm.